Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today, I've got a top goalkeeper in, Marcus Bettinelli. How you doing, mate? Hello, lads. Thanks for having me. My dad used to make me cry as well, mate. Oh, I openly admit that. <laughs> It's an absolute therapy session yeah. coming in. At one point, my mum banned him from coming to the games. They have modelled my whole game off him. Best, it was the best season of my life in that yeah. sense. I, mean, I didn't go into the manager's office because I was petrified of him. He was so scary. So we went like 23 games unbeaten or something like that. How am I going to pay for this winning? I'm, I'm, I'm unemployed for the next two months. I didn't enjoy my time at Borough. Like on Twitter, everyone was like, oh, he's wearing Swartz's gloves. Like, That's so fun. If it's levels to the game of goalkeeping and these guys are on a different level, you use your feet to save a ball. It was an absolute crime. Probably more nervous for them training sessions than I was like walking out of Wembley for their final just because it was just so surreal to me in that sense. What a save from Mark Howard. Welcome back once again to the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard, and my mate, producer Ben. Today, I've got a top goalkeeper in, and I've heard he's an absolute great guy. I can say he is already. Marcus Bettinelli, how you doing, mate? Hello, lads. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming in, mate. I really appreciate it. Obviously, you're at Chelsea now. Uh, I want to get into that further down the line and that. You've had some career so far. Still only 30 years old. With loads more to come, mate. Promise you that. I'm 36. <laughs> Don't know about that. <laughs> right. Uh, normally, I kick this off with how you first ever got into being a goalkeeper. What, what's your journey? Well, I think throwing it back really when I was younger, I think I have to, I say, say blame my dad really, probably more blaming because he chucked me right in and I had no real choice. But, um, but yeah, he's he's always been involved in goalkeeping. He's a, he's a goalie coach himself. So uh, from a sort of young age, I was always just chucked straight in, whacked some gloves on. Uh, I think probably one of the first memories of me being in goal was always wearing goalie gloves that were way too big for me. <laughs> My dad used to just sort of take yeah. them. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, your dad's Vic Bettinelli that's been at Fulham Academy for hundreds and hundreds of years, mate. Yeah. It feels like I think I've actually worked with him, you know. Yeah. So when I was at Arsenal in the academy, I tried to leave uh, because I knew that like getting through in that first thing would be ridiculous. Yeah. So I went on trial at Everton and Aston Villa and I went to Fulham and like, I nearly signed for Fulham. Yeah. And I'm sure I worked with your dad. Yeah, you would have done. I think you know, everyone in the goalkeeping world <laughs> knows Vic. Yeah, I've spoken to him at some point or seen him because he's uh, he's unmissable. He's a big fella. But but yeah, he's uh, he, like you said, he's, he's coached for years. So 
he um <clears throat> he, he always should chuck me out in the garden and my mum's still got videos now of, of us in the garden like, like nine times out of ten it's me storming in because i'm fuming at him for scoring goals past me but um yeah, that that was uh, going back a few years now. Yeah, did he used to out critique your loads, or was it always like, oh, you're doing brilliant, you keep doing this, obviously really positive and oh, make yeah. you like f- film amazing? Nah, none of that. <laughs> yeah, it was. My dad used to make me cry as well, man. Oh, I openly admit that. <laughs> it's an absolute therapy session yeah. coming in. Just talking <laughs> about my dad. Um, no, he was. Yeah, he was so hard on me. At one point, my mum banned him from coming to the games um, when I was at Crystal Palace, um, and funny enough, I always remember like the game he got banned from coming. Uh, I remember at half time walking out for the second half and it must have only been maybe like, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11 or whatever. I could just see him with a like Peaky Biner's cap leaned up against a tree, like in the background watching the game. So I knew he was there, uh, even though my mum abandoned him. But yeah, he was um, yeah, he was tough on me, but uh, it was good. He's uh, He's got his own ways. Was you always going to be a goalkeeper then? It's a bit hard not to be that. Yeah, it's, it, I think, I mean, first of all, I was always too slow to be anything else. Uh, so I always loved football in that sense. Um, but... You know, it's like I think when you <clears throat> when you watch your dad and he was goalie coach at the time, so I used to watch him going out of sort of like um, Nigel Martin and Alex Kalinko and stuff, and you know that was that for me was like a huge thing. Like my dad was warming up on the pitch, like I wanted to be, you wanted to be him. So um, yeah, I think it was it was impossible for me to be anything else. Yeah, and you signed at Fulham at fourteen years old, I think it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I got released from Crystal Palace for being too small, ironically. Um, I think it was just an excuse to say you were rubbish. Um, what size are you now? Six, six, three, four. six, four, yeah. Went over to Arsenal uh, <clears throat> and it was just too far for my mum and dad to go. And then, yeah, so I signed, uh, signed up Fulham, uh, John Murray Academy director at the time. Uh, yeah, about 14 um, and just stayed there. You worked with Alex Welsh at Arsenal then, briefly? I did, yeah. I did, I did, I did. I feel like everyone's, everyone's worked with Welsh in there yeah. at some point. Uh, he's top man, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, I worked, worked with him a little bit while we were there. Yeah, and then obviously you landed up, you went to Fulham and that. You ended up spending a hell of a long time there. Uh, what was the initial scouting process? Do you know what? It's, it's funny because, yeah, it was a long time. But I think when I first joined, I mean, I'd be the first to say, and my dad, if my dad was here, he'd be the first to say, so I was never... I was never that top, top goalkeeper. I was always sort of really underdeveloped, uh, kind of sort of hit sort of puberty and stuff at that age, um, where I remember sort of fellow goalkeepers were massive, they had yeah. beards and everything, and that that wasn't me at all. Um, so I was always sort of the late developer at the group. Um, so yeah, I, I signed there, sort of like a young 14-year-old, um, and I didn't play that many games, to be honest, when I first signed. Um, I was more kind of like a number two slash training goalie, really, when I think back to it. Um, I mean, I didn't really think of it at the time as yeah. that. Um, but, yeah, well, now I'm more experienced, I would notice that now. Um, but, yeah, and it was it was just sort of one of them things. It was it was a good academy. Fulham always done really well with bringing... Yeah, it's a top academy. Um, I think it was like back then, I mean, they had like the, the 3G and the 4G, whatever it was, and that was like a huge thing and the big dome and stuff, so... The academy itself was always great, um, and they've always done really, really well bringing bringing players through. But also, I mean, going back to Vic, he's he's brought through a lot of goalkeepers, uh, yeah. either playing in the league or championship and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's always it's always been a good academy. Yeah, Fulham always had a, a good steady stream. It was Fulham and Cholton. If anyone yeah. was from London, anyone, yeah. like they always consistently brought through, especially goalkeepers as well. Yeah. Cholton brought through loads yeah, in yeah. one spell. Like Fulham was another club where the high. Chelsea's and Arsenal's of this world, you didn't really see many people come through and actually break through to the first team. Yeah. So you must have seen a really good pathway when you did sign your, your YTS papers. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I think that back to it now, I don't think I ever saw a pathway through to the first team. I think when I first sort of started going on loan, I think, I mean, Mark Swartz was there at the time and he was he was incredible as a, as a goalie. So I always thought, wow, like I'm going to have to go on loan and, and work, my, work my way up. Um, but yeah, I knew that at Fulham you would have got a chance. Um, and I, I remember my dad always said to me, you know, like, you know, don't don't get disheartened if, you know, all my mates were playing up, you know, Chelsea and Arsenal and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> he was like, I knew, he knew Fulham was the place to be for me. Um, so I, like you said, it was, it's, it's catch-22, isn't it? I think when you, as a goalkeeper, it's always hard when you're young. You, you want to beat the big clubs and it's great. But also at the same time, I think sometimes when you coastal under the radar a little bit, I mean, a lot of the boys you probably add on here or, or the boys that play in the Prem or the Champ now will, will probably say the same as me. They kind of just coasted and they were always maybe below a little bit of par and they managed to work their way up. Yeah, see, I, obviously I came for Arsenal, but I yeah. always wanted to leave Yeah. because I knew that there was no pathway. Yeah. So the yeah, whole the time opposite. I was like... I didn't really know about loans because that was, I'm for like I said, 36, I'm old now. So like the loan system wasn't what it was. So yeah. I was like, I had to try and leave. So at 16, before I signed YTS, I tried to leave. Before I signed my first pro, I tried to leave. And like they were saying, no, you can't leave. We want this conversation. No club would buy me because I was a young kid that unproven. So yeah, it's so different. Our, like, like uh, it's interesting to me coming through at Fulham where you could see a bit of a pathway, but you knew that you mm. had to go and gain experience to come back. Like that must have been really rewarding in itself because obviously when you did eventually go out on loan you had a couple of really good loan spells yeah well even like even I think I think Mick Kelly at the time um, who's goalkeeping coach uh, even he would like get us to come up and train with like Swartzer and, and David Stotler at the time um, and even that I used to remember think back and think I don't know if other clubs are doing this because when I would go away to England camps and stuff like that they were like oh, I would train the first few times with the, uh, with the first team but not that much so I always remember thinking like oh well, we get quite a lot of opportunities to go up and I think even before Mike was like Mark Crosley and like, going back even further um, with like Tony Warner and that. So yeah, there, there was always that that fine balance of they would they would get the kids to come up and even if it was even if it was just a service, I mean yeah. you'd be absolutely bricking yourself yeah. just trying to serve a football um, like a, just a normal half volley. Like you'd be absolutely wetting yourself, especially if Tony Warner. So, was. <laughs> you don't want a big bonus thrown off you. So yeah, but uh, no, yeah, Fulham's Fulham's a good academy. Yeah. It's always good. Obviously, you worked with some really good goalkeepers there then and had some really good goalkeepers to learn from. Mark Schwartzer must have been, at that time, it was incredible. Schwartz was unbelievable. Like, I, I'll be the first to say I've modelled my whole game off him, even though it's impossible to model yourself off him because he was he was so quick for a big guy. Um, and I, I don't think people realise how quick he was. Um, <clears throat> I mean, from a goalkeeping point of view, to get his hands down low so he was, often, he never really used his feet, um, like know. in terms of making saves. He was. He always used to be just so sharp, getting his hands down. Um, and for such a big guy, he was even bigger than me. Um, I, I think back, I think, wow, how would you even do that? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, we also had people like you know David Stockdale and stuff there, who had, who had done like the non-league side and obviously moved up when oh, he was yeah. at Darlington. And so you had like literally both sides of things. Um, and it was like when I think back, it was an incredible sort of experience for me to learn off and probably gave me put me in such a good position to go and have a career. Uh, yeah. So I was lucky in that sense. What was Dartford like, your first loan then? Uh, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I remember I was bricking myself when I first went out. Um, and the, the good thing was I actually trained at Fulham still because they were part-time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I still got a, f a few mates that, that play there now, actually. Um, it's a great club. Uh, but yeah, that was my first sort of taste of like men's football. Um, and I always just remember thinking like, 
I remember my dad saying, like, it's proper football, this, mate. Like, you know, just kick it. If you've got to kick it, you've got to kick it. Like, don't worry. Don't take any chances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I always remember thinking, like, them first couple of games was, like, the win bonus. Um, and obviously, it's something that you never really, like, speak about or, or think about. But, like, when you're playing academy football, it's just academy football. You get, yeah. You're getting your money at the end of the month anyway. Whereas, obviously, away at, like, Kidderminster or someone like that, you're winning 1-0 with, like, 10 minutes to go. It's like maybe 500 quid on the line. Do you know what I mean? Did all the lads get round each other at those points and oh, say, yeah. you make sure you don't concede. We're getting a bonus. Oh, huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was oh. it a little brown envelope job as well? It wasn't a brown envelope job. I <sighs> never, I wasn't part of the bonus scheme, so I never got a brown envelope. But so I don't really know how they got it. Um, the Dartford's still owe you. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, inv- I'll invoice them after this. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, that them little, them little things are just, I think, what makes you like, just come together as a dressing room, especially yeah. in them last 10 minutes. If you've got to hold on for a win uh, and it's sort of 500 pounds on the line, it's, it's huge. Um, and they they were top lads. Like they, they, they knew I was a young lad. They knew I needed protected a little bit. Um, and, you know, the whole squad was top. It set you up perfectly then to go out on loan uh, to Accrington. <clears throat> it next. did, yeah. It did, it did, it did. And I, I, I spoke about Martin Brennan just quickly before this. It was like, it was Brennan's um, sort of philosophy about, mate, get yourself out on loan. And my dad was supporting that as well um so yeah the, the whole Dartford thing come about done really well there and then <clears throat> league two um at Akron uh which was that was probably my first time sort of moving away so it was quite a big thing um to Accrington of all places yeah <laughs> thankfully I lived in Manchester so it wasn't that bad but that was uh, that was hands down sort of my most enjoyable year of football because uh I met sort of my, my best mate there now he's still my best mate now we lived with each other um and then we lived with another lad. And <clears throat> to be honest, when I think back to it, it was we were playing on a Saturday, going out Saturday night, and then playing on the Tuesday and going out Tuesday, Tuesday night. night. And it was it was like Tiger Tiger Tuesday, whatever it was called. It was like best it was the best season of my life in that yeah. sense. We were just like we basically lived like students. We lived in uh in Fallowfield, which was an absolute dump. Um and like we would tell everyone we lived in Didsbury, which was a nice area, <laughs> yeah. a little bit behind. Um First time away from home, just living the life. Yeah, right? just, I mean, I was, I, I, my mate banters me back now. I used to have like super noodles and like chicken and, and coleslaw for dinner. Like, and that was just because like, it's all I could Paper cook. plates and yeah. plastic cutlery so you didn't have to wash up. We had no, we had no lever on the sofa whatsoever. Um, and it was just like, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, I literally lived like a student, but we were playing and we were playing league football and we had the best time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was also another good loan move. James Beatty was manager at the time yeah, and he, 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 he's a great guy. Um, I played with Beats. He uh, is a great guy. He's got Tourette's, definitely. Hundred percent. He's an un- incredible finisher. Yeah, he like, is. used to join in finishing, and he used to absolutely smack did, it. Every bro. time he scored, did he play that trumpet noise? And did, oh, <laughs> no. at Sheffield United, he used to do this thing, and he'd score a goal in training, and he'd run off even if it was a tapping, and he'd like pretend to play a trumpet, <laughs> and it made the best trumpets. It was like he like. You know, like your secret talent. I can't do a trumpet noise. <laughs> but his was like unbelievable. So it's like he knew he was really good at this noise and he'd run away playing this trumpet. It was class, mate. You'd have everyone in stitches. Yeah. And it would be a two-yard tapping. It'd have nicked someone else's finish. <laughs> Celebrated it like it was the best goal ever. <laughs> Loved him yeah. for that. Uh, Beats was top man. He, he messaged me now every now and again, but he's um uh, he's a good guy, Beats. Really yeah. good guy. Right, uh, before we crack on with the Fulham stuff, uh, I'm going to get you into the quiz. I'll give you a little brief already. Goalie or no goalie? So I've got five current international goalkeepers. That's the biggest clue. Five current international goalkeepers from around the world. Uh, and five names that are either made up or famous people from around the world. Subscribers and listeners, you can head over to YouTube uh, for our leaderboard. Uh, we'll have to update that now. I'll say, yeah, There's uh, let's not forget about O'Keefe either. Connor O'Keefe, oh, yes. uh, 
It was nine. Was it I nine? Yeah. It was, yeah. Was yeah. Nine, so yeah. If I beat Al, I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> what everyone says. As long as you beat Al, Alex, I think you'll do, do better than Lonas as well. Cart's being goalie coach. He's got to be higher than a uh, six. Uh, there's a few people that we need to get in. See what the scores are like. It's the surprising ones. Honestly, the names are out to trick you, right? Okay. So you you won't know many of them, if okay. any of them. Right. So one point for each correct answer. Number one, Alessandro Catalan. Goalie. Not a goalie. He is the Italian host of the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> <laughs> so these are totally random, right? Honestly. My missus comes up after these. <laughs> I was for sure thinking I was a goalie, you know. It sounds like a great Italian name. Right, number two. Pedro Galis. Goalie. He is a goalie. Peru and Orlando City goalkeeper. Nice. One out of two. I'm buying it up. Number three. Etrit Berisha. Goalie. You're going to say goalie for everyone, yeah? <laughs> well, you got five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take it, walk away. He is a goalkeeper. Albania and Torino FC goalkeeper. That, that was pretty good pronunciation for you, Mark. Yeah, that was a really yeah, good one. Yeah, good going, yeah. Berisha, I thought, yeah. Got that one. <laughs> Some of them are so hard. Some of the names I write down, I'm like, oh my God, why have I picked Why have I done it? Yeah. Why have I done Stitching this? Stitching myself up. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Number four, Jake Sully. Not a goalie. You recognise that name? Why am I thinking of the geese from Avatar? That's him, mate. Is yeah. that him? Yeah, yeah. quality. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Sully. Yes. Yes, Buzz nice. Sam Worthington in Avatar. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, some of them are totally random. Right. Number five, Hans Wildorf. Wilsdorf. Hans Wilsdorf. Not a goalie. He is not a goalkeeper. <clears throat> uh, I know you're into your watches. Oh, yeah. As we previously spoke, he actually invented the Rolex. Yeah. I didn't know that, you but quality. That. <laughs> <laughs> I should know that, but I don't know nah, that. Nah, you shouldn't know that. Who would know that? Big Al probably knows that. Yeah, to be hey, fair. If you had to invented the washing line, the worthy oh, washing line last that week. That was I a good one yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, number six, Anthony Maurice. Goalie. He is a goalkeeper. Luxembourg and Union St. Gilois. I don't know why I'd actually heard of him before. Yeah, how have you, yeah. I don't know hey, why. Hey, look, you're beating Alex. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Tied with Lonas now. Yeah, how have you heard of that? Don't know. It just sounded familiar, that. Yeah. Could be a wild <laughs> guess, but. <laughs> right. Number seven, Gordon Sargent. Not a goalie. He's not a goalkeeper. He's the yeah. number one ranked amateur golfer in the world. I, I didn't know that, but I thought you were trying to do me the old Sam Sargent, like throwing yeah. off one. I thought you were trying <laughs> to throw me off. Mate, some of them are, oh, I've had some really good throw off ones as well, mate. Good blaggers. <laughs> right, I think we're on number eight, Oliver Sale. Goalie. He is a goalkeeper. Nice, You're nice, fire, yeah. Guess. New Zealand and Wellington Phoenix goalkeeper. Looks a bit like Dean Henderson. Got a trim and half him. That's a shout <laughs> I don't think Dean will be happy with that. Happy with that. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut that bit out for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be straight in his DMs. You heard, you heard this bit, what Bet said. <laughs> right, number nine, Hope Sagoin. Not a goalie. Not a goalkeeper. He's the original child singer of Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> this is where on YouTube, mate, when it comes up, there will just be loads of sharks flying across the screen. Uh, <laughs> Ben's mind goes wild now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's it, class. How have you come up with these, by the way? The thing is, is right, I'll get superimposed into this now of me singing Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> right, last, last one. You're on eight, flying, mate. Could go tidily there. 
Number 10, Mark Flecken. Not a goalie. Ah, oh, he ruined it. <laughs> he is Holland and SC Freiburg in Germany, goalkeeper. Ah, eight out of ten, mate. Well I'll played. take that. I'm, I'm That's really, very good. I'm, honestly, I set out to be Al. Once I got past Al, everything else was a bonus. So. At least you recognised <laughs> two names and one was Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Jake Tully one absolutely done me. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's that, mate. I'll take eight all day. Eight out of ten. Gotta be happy. Yeah, gotta be happy, mate. Yeah, put you right up there. Take it all day. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, let's crack on anyway, right? So uh, as I said, you've been at Fulham since you were 14. Uh, your debut actually came 12 years after signing in a 1-0 win against your rivals, Brentford. Uh, that must have been amazing to eventually reach that point. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> I think like everyone always says, you need you do need a bit of luck in, in terms of goalkeeping. I had a massive slice of luck in terms of Fulham got relegated um, and they they sold Stocko. Um, Stecklenberg was there at the time as well. Oh, Ste Stecklenberg yeah. left. Um, and it was me and uh, Jesse Jeronen, um, two young lads. And we had an absolute mental gaffer called Felix McGaff. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he was like nuts. Like he was German. Um, and he was meant to keep us up. Uh, and he was like, honestly, I can't tell you how nuts he was. We were doing like 6 a.m. beach runs. Like oh, people were crying. His whole like, his whole philosophy was he tried to break you. So like the lads, like the lads would have like grade four in their calves and that. But they knew if they went and I said, I'm injured. That, that was him. They were on the transfer list. They no were gone. Way. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> we got, I got lucky in that sense. He, he only had me and a, another young lad to pick from. Um, and he chose him ahead of me. And then... Uh, we basically lost the first like five games, like all like five nil lost. Um, and I got a chance uh, in the cup. Um, and yeah, I was buzzing to be fair. Um, I just remember thinking like, F it, do you know what? Like if you go and you have a stinker, so what? Like you've, you've, you played for, you played for Fulham first team. That's all that matters. Yeah, exactly, um, yeah. So that was my mentality at the time. Um, and yeah, it was, and then I played really well, get the clean sheet and then come in dressing room after the game. My phone was obviously like going mental and that. And I just seen on Sky Sports Fulham was signed Gabor Karali. Oh. So I had all these like messages saying, oh, like buzzing, mate, you'll be playing on the weekend, all this kind of stuff. And then literally I saw them, saw they signed Gabor. So um so yeah, I didn't play the next next two games, but then managed to get back in after that. But yeah, no, playing playing against uh, get, especially against Brentford as well, yeah. like rivalry and stuff. So yeah, it was quality. Yeah, obviously, like I said, you'd been there a while. Uh, and it takes so many different points and you'd have had highs and lows on the way and actually thought probably on the way that you wouldn't 
eventually play for the first team. But so when you get to that moment, the come down of like your emotions, because you put so much into that one moment, it must have been like saying to see that off Gabo Karali uh, on the news and that, that must have been draining a little bit. 100%. I think like, <laughs> I think it's one of them ones. I think I was still so buzzing with obviously the fact that like I had played. Um, it, it, your emotions, like you said, they're, they're sky high. Yeah. Um, and you've obviously got all your, your family and your friends texting you. Um, so I wasn't even really that bothered about the old uh, Gabor thing. Uh, it was only then sort of like the next couple of days when I'd see him in the training ground and I realised... Oh, his tracky bottoms. Yeah, his tracky <laughs> bottoms. Which, to be fair, he was an absolute legend. Was it? Yeah. yeah, he was a great guy. He used to do this throw where like, he would literally look all the way over there and just throw it that way. Like no one knew what the fuck was going on. Um, so, but no, he was a top man. Um, but yeah, it was only then obviously the last couple of like, days sort of going into like the next game. I think it might have been Reading at home or someone like that or Reading away. Um, and I realised I wasn't playing. That's when I was a little bit gutted, um, but I think that's yeah. I think that's when you just got to keep your head. And you, I, I didn't. I mean, I didn't go into the manager's office because I was petrified of him. He was so scary. Um, so I just yeah sat there and took it, and then managed to get a chance a few games later. Are you a Fulham fan? Um, <clears throat> do you know what? My mum's from Liverpool, so I've always kind of been a Liverpool fan. Um, but then when I joined Fulham and then I, I played for Fulham, it was kind of like a loss interesting that's what I was it's just like you know say, it's yeah, like yeah. You, you end up losing interest didn't you you just um, become a fan of football yeah exactly um i think probably when i think back to it i was more a fan of like stevie g at the time rather than actual liverpool himself um and uh, and yeah i think yeah I, th I think i kind of fell in the, the category of being a fulham fan because you forget like when you're in the academy you go and sit and watch the games that's what i mean every game you're <coughs> every game every home game you're there that's what i mean so like before i'd even played for the first team i'd, I'd probably watched maybe 100, 200 games at Craven Cottage. Um, so in that sense, it's 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 mental to think like, oh, you're not a Fulham fan, but you you do have that that feeling. Um, but then again, when I when I left a little while ago, that kind of then leaves you as well. So yep. it's, you can you kind of support, I guess, the team you play for as such. Yeah, you you went on to play over 100 games for Fulham, and uh, you're part of two promotion teams there. Obviously, Fulham and their fan base in London, it's always going to be difficult. So. Mm. In your spell within the first team, there to have two promotions. Obviously, one of them, like the first one, must have been amazing for you. The first, the first one was the best one because I think people forget the season before we lost to Reading in the semis. Yeah. <clears throat> so like you had the emotion of it was practically the same squad pretty much. Um, so you had that whole emotion of the year before getting so close but not there, um, and then at like January time, I think Butts had played the first uh, sort of. 15, 20 games, wherever it was. Um, and then I got in, I, got, I tell a story actually, I got in just just around Christmas time. Um, and we had our Christmas due. Uh, and we, we played Sunderland away, so we organised it. Um, we organised it to go, go out in Newcastle after the Sunderland game. Just makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. <laughs> Everyone's there. You can't get away. Um, <laughs> Sunderland hadn't won at home in like in like 60 games. They'd only scored like 10 goals at home. It was something ridiculous. Like the stat was like ridiculous. And we had our Christmas due plan on hour. And I remember a few of the boys going on the bus like, it's just absolute stinks of us losing. Yeah, they haven't won at home in like ages. We we were having like a mid like so-so season. Um, top tops booked. Oh, uh, literally everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's done the old fine budget and everything. And it was like, it just stunk of it. Um, so yeah, we lost, we lost one nil. Um, but then we had our Christmas night out. To be fair, the gaffer let us have the night out. We had the Saturday to Sunday, two of the best like best days ever. Um, 
we come back and then we didn't lose it then until last game of the season. So we went like 23 games unbeaten or something like that. Yeah. Um, and we were like all banner and say like, oh, it was from the night out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, it, it was, it was. That team spirit just Yeah. Built. Yeah, exactly sometimes that. it's needed that the adversity that you go through in a loss or something, especially away from home, it's a difficult place to go anyway. Hundred percent. So then go and then just put everything to bed. Hundred percent. That night straight away, 100%. have a few beers. With you. you had you had quite a few characters in that dressing room at the time. Yeah, we, we had a good dressing room, like a really good dressing room. Um, obviously, Kev Kev McDonald's probably the biggest character in that. Um, but then you had boys like you know Steph Johansson and then. Uh, uh, Tom Kearney is there yeah. as well. He's, he's top man. Um, and then, <clears throat> we, to be fair, we we signed Mitrovic just after that as well, which is always a good addition. Yeah, that does help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Big guaranteed Mi thirty goals. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Big Mitro and uh, Matty Target were, were the two like sort of main signings that we signed. Um, so them two definitely helped. Uh, they didn't they didn't come on the night out, but we just pretend like they did for the story. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah, I bet they came on the end of season one. Oh, they got promoted. To be fair, that was uh, yeah, that was incredible. That one. Um, we had a good. Uh, because you went up via the playoffs. Yeah, we done playoffs. Which they always say is the best way to go up if you go up. So we we actually could have gone up automatically. We we played Birmingham last game of the season. Cardiff played someone at home, and Cardiff also won on a, on a ridiculous run. Um, Neil Warnock at the time, I think it was. Um, <clears throat> and we needed to win. They needed to draw or lose, um, and we were getting beat two 0 at half time. And I think they then took the foot off the gas, and then I think they might end up losing two one. And we could have actually gone up. Um, and again, that would just obviously added to the emotion of then. We then went to play Derby, first playoff. We got lost 1-0 and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, the wheels have fallen off, like back-to-back -back losses. Um, and we absolutely battered Derby that day. Um, and then, yeah, we, we come home and we, we battered them again and, and we went to Wembley and, yeah, and we done it that way. So I think like that that season, obviously, you know, you said obviously the second time, the second time was great. Um, <clears throat> I weren't obviously as involved. As so involved, it, yeah. it's, it's always completely different, um, even though it's a great feeling. Uh, but the first one, I think even the boys that probably done it twice, I think they would always say like the first one was super special. Yeah, obviously going up via the playoffs. Uh, I want to know a little bit about that night. Uh, obviously winning at Wembley is insane in itself because every child grows up to want to play at Wembley one day. But to win a playoff final, knowing that you get into the Premier League, does, do you just stay in the dressing room and just have a drink with the boys? Is it Or is it like you go straight up, see the families? We had a... We had a we had a room booked back at the hotel, yeah. not from the club. It was more from like a few lads got together and said like, "Listen, like whatever happens, like okay, like you know, it's an incredible day." So there was like six of us that paid for like a floor, um, and we just said, "Right, we can send the families there after because it was it was carnage." Because I, you only get sort of like two or three tickets for like the lounge thing at yeah, Wembley, yeah. and I got I got quite a big family, especially from London. So I had like 10, 15 people going to the game. So I ended up buying extras and sticking them in the stand. So obviously I wanted to see them after the game. So that's the reason why I bought that. But yeah, <clears throat> after the game is just, do you know what? You know, you spoke about earlier about like the, the emotion of your, like the day you come down. I'm going to be honest. I was absolutely shattered. Shattered. Yeah, I was shattered. Um, and first half we played facing uh, the sun and it was like, it was like 30 degrees that day. And I remember like every time we got a corner, I would run up to the halfway line and just go down on my knees because I was like, get out just get sun. out of the sun. Yeah. There was just no way to do it. And obviously it was just like the whole day, it was just everything about it. I was just absolutely shattered. Um, and I just remember being in the lounge afterwards, like had a few beers and I remember just my phone was just like ridiculous. I just, it, it was impossible to get through. Um, <clears throat> so many messages. Um, so yeah, that night we went um we, we saw the families we, we carried on drinking um 
and you try and soak it in as much as you can, but it's it's always hard. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. it's hard. It is hard. You don't remember a lot of you it don't. in the end. You don't. But you feel like you you look back at it and you go, I should have took more of that in, or I should have took yeah. more pictures, or I should have just. It is what it is. Yeah. Like, like you said, you're so tired from the game, and you've put so much. You've put a whole year into that one performance. Yeah. The come down so hard, yeah. but then obviously a couple of days later when you realise what you have done, yeah. that's when it kicks on. Hundred percent. And I think the first time is like relief when you're in the dressing room after you're like relief. Like, oh my God, we've done it. Whereas then like the next day you're like, right, we've done it. How are we going to celebrate <laughs> yeah, this yeah. as like, best as way possible? So, to be fair to Fulham owner uh, Tony Khan at the time, he, he he took us on a trip to Vegas, which was incredible. Um, practically all expenses paid for. So nice. that was a uh, that was a good four days. So yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, when your final season at Fulham, uh, you ended up joining Middlesbrough on loan. Um, can I ask a little bit about how it was leaving Fulham? Was you like, obviously, you must have felt a bit tied to the club coming through there and that it must have been quite a hard thing. Yeah, I was I was gutted, to be honest, I was gutted. And I think <clears throat> I think I was gutted in the sense of um, I was meant to re-sign. Yep. So there was... The season that I was on loan at Middlesbrough, I always had a good relationship with Tony, um, and we were we were organising uh, a year a year option. They had an option on me, so we were organising that year option. Um, and then, so be it, whatever happened, it, it, it didn't work out. So sort of that from like Christmas up until that time, I was always prepared. Right, I'm staying in Fulham. I just done my house up. I was finishing my house, um, and we we had everything planned of just being in in London again. Um, <clears throat> And then obviously, yeah, like that, it just changes. Um, so yeah, I was I was on holiday actually in Mykonos and I proposed to my missus. Uh, this was like maybe the Tuesday. So you're on a high from that. And then yeah. on like the Wednesday evening, Tony called me and was like, all right, mate, like we're, we're not doing the option. And I was just like, plummeted that yeah. down. So my missus was still on this massive high. And I was- She's phoning everyone. Yeah, yeah. And you're telling her not to include the I'm, last bit of news. I'm thinking, how am I gonna pay for this wedding? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm unemployed for the next two months. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a bit mental like that, but- um, yeah, when I left Fulham, it was it was sad because I, I I didn't really know anything else. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a bit it was yeah it was it was it was it was sad. Uh, you had a really good loan spell that season anyway at Middlesbrough. I think you played nearly every game that season. I played nearly every game that season, um, and from a game point of view, I had a good loan season, but I, I hated it. Yeah, um, being away from home, being away from London. No, I just I just didn't. I you know when you, you you're having them games and them seasons, you just not. You, just goals go in, and you you know you can do better. Yeah. Um, and like I'll be the first to say, like I didn't I didn't enjoy playing, um, didn't didn't enjoy playing up there because I wasn't playing well. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed living up there. My missus did. Like, like we said, I was right on the golf course. So that was amazing. Um, but yeah, I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy my time at Borough, and it was it was probably a few factors to it. So I think coming back from Borough, I was I was happy to come home um, and be back in London. I guess. Uh, yeah, it was it was always tough. Obviously, then finding out I wasn't going back to Fulham, so I was like, I can't, what, what am I doing what now? Next? Yeah. This is Matt Smith, and this is the Glove Review on the Yours Mine Away podcast. Right, before we crack on with where you are now, then at Chelsea, uh, I want to talk gloves. Uh, okay. Obviously, you're you're in the one gloves now. Uh, we get loads of interaction off our fans that listen to this and watch our YouTube clips and that. Can you talk us through what size hands are you? Uh, I'm a 10. Yeah, 10. Yeah. 
I think I've experimented a little bit with with, with tighter gloves uh, yeah. and dropped down to a nine at some point. But yeah, I've uh, I've always preferred a, a bit of a larger glove. So yeah, I'm a ten. Yeah. How long have you been wearing the one gloves for? <clears throat> uh, been with them a while, haven't you? I started them when I when I joined Chelsea. So it was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before that, I was I was Adidas for the season at Middlesbrough, um, and then prior to that, I was always Sells. Yeah. Um, and then when I was really young, coming through Mark Schwartz and Mitre, yeah. which were oh, which wow. were quality. The Mitre ones were quality. To be fair, I had, I had I think my debut that I played, I actually like had like Mark Schwartz here, and I like I like I literally scribbled out with pen. And I, I think like on Twitter, everyone was like, oh, he's wearing Schwartz's gloves. Like, That's so funny. He's not got his own gloves yet because he's so young and that. So yeah, I, I literally had Schwartz's gloves on like my day. Was he just giving you all his gloves? His hand, like, yeah, the so ones that he didn't use. I, I actually had like a, I had a deal with uh, Mitre, but they stopped. Um, they stopped making the glove that Swartzy wore. Um, so I had like, I had maybe like 10 pairs left over. And I was like, right, I got to save these pairs for like big games that yeah, like I'm yeah. going to play. So I had like my training pair, which were like, they were probably similar color to them. And then the the ones I actually wore in the game, they were like a black and a green. Um, and they were just like, they were my special gloves. You know what I mean? They were the ones that just fitted perfect. You just felt so comfortable with them. Um, so that hence the reason why I wore them on the, wore them on the uh on the debut and I probably wasted them probably in the first 10 games thinking oh I'm only going to get 10 games and yeah, better use yeah. them all um, stick with them yeah but what is it you look for in a pair of gloves um, I've always I've always liked quite a, a tight fitting but still loose enough that it's not like I can't feel my, my tip of my fingers yep. um, I've never enjoyed thick palms um, I know some lads love like big thick heavy gloves big massive mitts yeah big mitts like Fabianski sometimes I look at and I think like mate you look like you've got the His biggest gloves are definitely too big for him mate he's either that or he's got shovel hands I'm not sure which one <laughs> but um, yeah I always quite like like uh, tight fitted ones um, and yeah I mean the latex is is, is the one it's isn't key, it yeah, yeah. I think it's all about feeling comfortable um, do you have certain routines with gloves obviously this changes because of training or games uh, mm. do you have certain routines when you, you know you're playing um, I, I wear a pair of gloves probably every two games. Yeah, depending on the weather as well. I think it's always and and the pitch really. You know what it's like. Um, By the way, his gloves are green as at the moment. <laughs> Chelsea Kitman and they've got the groundskeeper going to kill me. Um, yeah, they they're, they're not they must great. spray your pitches green. I think so. Yeah, they're doing something. That is actually incredible. <laughs> so I've been diving on the astroturf. But yeah, uh, probably every couple of games um, I'll get a new pair. But yeah, now, now I, obviously I don't play that often. Um, sometimes I can go sort of a week. A few weeks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I would say I'm a bit of a, I'm a glove user to be fair. I, I like to get a new pair of gloves. There's nothing better than bagging There's a nothing, new pair. Yeah, it's so good, isn't it? It feels so much better putting on new gloves, new boots. I don't know about you. I can't 100%. wear boots that are old and tatty. I'm saying with gloves, if they're starting to like get uh, defects, I'm like... It's not the same. I'm not going to get that level of performance. So true. It's mentally in. It's in your head. If you bang a new pair of gloves on like first like session, you like rip a bit. You're like, these are done. Yeah. They might as well be four or five sessions old. They're, it, they're done. Yeah. And like, even if you try and look after them, you're still in your head going, yeah. I've, I've had better gloves. <laughs> it's like a mental thing, like how you look after them. I'm quite like meticulous of how I'll wear them on a Friday to play on a Saturday and then I'll, yeah. I'll give them a light wash after the train on a Friday but dry them in a towel, yeah. stand on the towel as if that like makes any difference sucking the water out and then I'll hang them up. Is that what you do? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that superstition or is that just no, like... it's just like, that's how, that's I how you do it. I've got my gloves to be like the best that they can be because you know they come with that original like coating on yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, obviously, your gloves have got that plastic. We've got a plastic on, which is an absolute nightmare to yeah, get yeah, off. Yeah. By the way, everyone. Oh, I, I used to spend ages like picking it before games. Yeah. Someone's told me a trick, right? I don't know if it's true, but you can dip them in warm water 
or hot water. Yeah. And it just peels itself off. They just like, I don't. I, I need someone to try it. I have to speak to Miles about that, but yeah, I've not, I've not heard about that one. I don't know whether the water just gets underneath the plastic and then you can just pick it, it up. Off. If I give them to the kit man, Ross, a shout out to Ross. He picks my, he, Does he, he sit and pick them up? Spends about half an hour just picking them all off. You can see him. He's like an artist, just like getting a little bit. Because if you rip it off and you rip the latex, oh, uh, you're in big trouble. Yeah. But um, yeah, they are a bit of a ball later when you've got to peel the latex off. Yeah. Uh, you, obviously, saying that your dad used to be able to get you gloves and that. What was the first pair of gloves you ever remember putting on? Uh, easy. A yellow pair of Sondicos yeah, nice. from TD Sports on Wolf Road next to, <laughs> next <laughs> nice. to Armand's. Um, yeah, I'll never forget them. They were, yeah, TD Sports. I think my dad, like, took a Crystal Palace shirt in and, like, made a swap deal with them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then after that, I used to, used to literally have um, Cell Sports. Remember yeah. Cell Sports? Cell Sports, yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to literally have Cell Sports and then uh, Cells were growing up and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I've probably, probably had every, every brand out there, probably. Uh, when you're young, you just go through them. Obviously, like, oh, my dad was like, oh, try and make them laugh. Yeah. That's saying, like, oh my God, no, they last as long as they last, but it's so hard out there now. Yeah. There's like, we've obviously got loads of gloves on the wall, but there's so many brands out there now. Yeah, there is. It, to be fair, like, I know a lot of lads like put like Vaseline and stuff on their gloves to make them a bit stickier, don't they? Wet. Yeah, it's super wet. Yeah, like, mate, yeah. Glove glue as well, like, yeah. it works. Like, there's loads of products out there. They 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 are good for like one or two games. They're brilliant, the glove <laughs> glues and yeah. the sprays that you can get yeah. on your gloves and that, but they ruin everybody else's gloves. Mm. Or the ball's just mad sticky. Like oh. whoever's in goal after you taking the next volley, they've got the best grip ever because yeah. they've got second hand Vaseline or second hand <laughs> glove glue, and it's the best. Mate, the Vaseline on the post, it works. In the wet, it really does work. Young Joe Arter, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, I want to. Your moment you signed for Chelsea uh, must have been a bit of a surreal phone call at first. I know you. I say surreal, but you've been playing really well. You've been playing for Middlesbrough. I think you've done really well at Middlesbrough, mate. And the career that you've had at Fulham. It, I didn't. I wasn't surprised when you got that call. I bet you some people would have been though. Yeah, um, I, th I think like surprise is the wrong word in the sense of when you think of Chelsea, they just won the Champions League. It was like you know it's Chelsea. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, I was surprised in the sense of it, I was I was going to go and sign there. Um, obviously, I knew the role that I was taking was a complete different role than what yeah. I had obviously done in the past. So it was like. It kind of felt like I was taking a step back as such, um, but also at the same time I was taking a huge step up because I was going to train with players that I'd like you know never Just seen the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, them, them first them first few training sessions, I was probably more nervous for them training sessions than I was like walking out of Wembley for Bale final just because it was just so surreal to me in that sense. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a top club and it's it's um, it's obviously going through a transition period at the moment. Um, but yeah, when when my agent sort of first called and and said like, listen, um, I think Willie Willie Caballero at the time didn't re-sign or whatever it was, and <clears throat> they they were interested in me. I was like, right, I was like, you know, like this this could come come thing. And I didn't, and to be honest, I didn't really have too much else on the on the table at that time because it was quite a, a late shout by Fulham for not yeah. renewing. Um, it was quite late in the game, so uh, yeah, it was um, it was it was it was a nervous couple of days, like trying to get it over the line. But once it was done, it was it was good. Yeah, because obviously I've spoke to you off air about Andy Lonergan, who's both our friends and that, and he does that same sort of role now. Mm. Uh, but the first time that you get offered that role, it is a total. That's a change of job title almost. It, is. it must feel like that at times. It is. Yeah, but right. it's also a credit to you because it shows how good you are, uh, how good you are in a dressing room how professional you are. It's also, 
a lot of people will see it as like a negative, uh, but I think it's a massive pat on the back to it. When you reach a certain stage of your career and everyone goes, can be trusted, it's great professional, great in a dressing room. It's actually all the things that you'd ever want in a goalkeeper. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more in that sense. And it's nice. And I think that's probably probably one of the things that my dad sort of always instilled in me, like whatever happens, you just be a good good egg. And I think that's like people forget a lot of goalies are good eggs. Like, I think because a lot of times there's only- Strange. Yeah, they're strange eggs, but they're good eggs. Um, <clears throat> and I think because there's a lot of the time there's only two of you and you're battling it out, you've got a huge amount of respect for each other. Um, so I think that obviously then then puts you in a perspective of, okay, well, there's only one of us can play on the weekend. He's like top guy. I mean, nine times out of 10, he's a top guy as well. Like, I'm sure he thinks I'm a good guy, but only one of us can play. So I think, you know, Goalkeepers are usually good, good, good characters in yeah, the squad, um, and I think we're always we're always good there, and, we, and we're good communicators in the sense of we speak with the lads and stuff like that. So, in that sense, it, it, your job's easy in that sense because um, we see the game differently. Yeah, because we stand behind hundred percent. We are able to coach and educate a little bit because we see everything like a manager sees everything on the side of the pitch we just do the same from a different angle so when we're playing especially with the defenders even strikers because we know what we hate yeah. to play against so especially it, when you're not playing you end up finding yourself educating more people you go around the strikers and go oh do you think you could do that next time or the defenders you're like if you just move here and covered that area yeah. it would help us yeah i know i think that's one of the biggest things about how you, you might be you'll be able to tell me more but how your role has <laughs> changed now that you're at chelsea from being a first-team goalkeeper to now being a, a second, third-choice goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, last season, obviously, when I first joined, a lot of the time, like, mate, we had so many games last season, it was ridiculous. Um, and I think that's probably was was one of the biggest things that I wasn't expecting was the amount of games that that boys play. And obviously, when you play in the Champions stuff, you also have a lot of games. But a lot of the time, you may be playing Birmingham away on a Tuesday, and you might get back maybe like twelve thirty, one o'clock to training ground, whereas. <clears throat> when you play Champions League games, you're getting back like four or five o'clock from like Germany or Russia or somewhere like that. Yeah. And like, you then obviously <clears throat> have then got to be ready to then go and play on Saturday. And I've, I've done nothing on the Wednesday. All I've done is traveled at, slept pretty much omelette, chicken fires, that's me done. And then pizza on the way back and, and then I'm still shattered on the sa Saturday. But then yeah. these boys have played 90 minutes in between that and then got to reproduce it again. Um, and I think that's what, like, what people don't see. Um, so I think I've, I've got a huge amount of respect for like the lads that have done that years after years and even more so when they then go away at national teams. There's so much put into recovery now. Huge. You must notice it, especially at like the elite level that you are. Like I know that we all do ice baths. Yeah. You, you recover, you cool down days. And especially even as I get older, like it's like the second day recovery is the yeah. hardest bit for me. 100%. Day go, two. Yeah, day two. I, I could... After a game on a Saturday, I could I could go and train full <coughs> session on a Sunday. Couldn't agree more. But on a Monday, come on, bet it hits you. It's true, that isn't it? I don't know why it is. Yeah. Everyone, I feel like every, a lot of people say the same though. Yeah, that second day recovery. Yeah. Man, it's hard that. But then it's like, like for me, I was used to think like, oh, being number three, like, are you going to be like training like every single day? Whereas so many days are like, because we have so many games, there's so many recovery days. Yeah. So a lot of the time. It's just me and the number two and the goalie coach is training while the boys are doing like a light jog or something like that. Because it's a spin session yeah. or something. Yeah. Or inside like doing their like rubs and that because, you know, there's, there's so many games. Like I said, like a lot of the time we're not even doing finishing or doing small sided games. And that's, I think, like it's been great this season because, I mean, it's not been great. Ed's is a top man, but he's been injured a lot of the time. Um, so I've been involved a lot more um, as sort of number two. Um, 
so but last season was was very much sort of like not boring boring's the wrong word um but yes uh i think it's tough to keep yourself mentally sort of like going i think can i ask you about mendy and kepper yeah how how good are they what are they like they're both totally different goalkeepers in in theory yeah uh but they're both so their their agility and speed is ridiculous yeah <laughs> people don't realize like how good they are yeah like we will as goalkeepers but people people just from the outset they don't realize how good these lads are i think their attention to detail and i think i've done an interview a little while ago <clears throat> and someone asked me like what makes them so much better um and i was i was trying to explain the levels like we're good goalies i've played with good goalies in the champ in, in league one and stuff i know good goalies but there is levels to the game of goalkeeping and these guys are on a different level yeah um and i and i someone said to me what's the one thing like and, and I, it took me about five minutes to answer and i just said like patience and you'll know what i mean by the word patience in goal like people don't realize what patience is but patience is is having the ability to stand there not gamble based off someone's body shape and trusting your own body and your own reactions that you can react to whatever side they put it and it sounds so simple when you put it on paper you're like, yeah. oh you just stand there and you moved in line with the ball but you know what it's like the, the timing of like your, your preset like where your hand positions are the boys are just so patient and, and so reactive and I, I remember speaking to Lonas about Allison and stuff and he was saying they're so powerful yeah it's, it's the same with Edu and Keps. like they are so so fast so powerful so springy and yet they're both so completely different goalkeepers, um, but yet they both have the same attributes um, that obviously keep them at the top. Their set position, I've, like obviously I've followed them, but they're, they're <coughs> how still they are. Is that's what I, yeah. when you're saying patience? Yeah. I think that they get into a position and they are just like a coiled spring, yeah. they're ready to explode. Yeah. Where like Allison is all power, yeah, and like but he'll he can make do a like save that. and he can do it instantly. But like Kepa, for instance, when I've watched him play. When he gets set, it's like the whole world stops around him, and he's just ready to just yeah. for everything that he's happens. So, he's so calm. Where Mendy will is the most agile thing I think I've ever seen in yeah. goal. He's like a slinky in goal. Ed, isn't he? He'll just Ed, throw his legs up. Edu, Edu, Edu can spring from anywhere and get past the post. Yeah. Um, whereas Keps is Keps is reactive spring is also gets him past the post. So yeah. they're both so they're both so similar, but yet so different. Um, and yeah, it's like you said. They're they're always seem ready. Yeah, it, it's like they they never they never have that second like double step that that you know we might do. Yeah, yeah. Suck. a little hop or a little yeah jump before yeah. you set. Literally. Yeah. And the problem is, is when you're training with them every day, it's great because you're learning from them. But then the problem is, you then go in and try and do that, but you, it's it's near on impossible to actually do it because they just it, it's not natural. Obviously, you, you can get better and stuff, yeah. but it's just it's just a, a technique that they that they have and. And an attribute that they have that you know sometimes you know we might not have. What would you say is the biggest difference between a typical English goalkeeper and a foreign goalkeeper? Is it that is it that stillness, that spring, the agility? Because yeah. I always think that an English goalkeeper typically, yeah, we're taught to catch everything yeah. and it's uh, to make everything look quite simple and basic yeah. and uh, save it, like just keep a quiet goal, don't we? But the the foreign influx is like show off a little bit use your agility use your spring yeah. you've got all of this in your armory use it yeah I, I agree and I think my dad would my dad always taught me hands 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 mm -hmm. like the W position the scoop position everything was about that when I think back to it did he teach me realistically how to like dive dive probably not 
did he teach me how to use like the block save and, and use my legs? Probably not. And then and after that, I've also had goalie coaches when I was at Fulham, like first team and that, like it was, if you use your feet to save a ball, it was an absolute crime. Yeah. Like it was literally unheard of, like no chance and my goalie's not doing that. But then you see the foreign lads and you see the Spanish boys and the German boys, like they're just so raw. But yet at the end of the day, goalkeeping is about keeping the ball at the back of the net. Yeah, like it doesn't really matter. Like I always remember, I always laugh about the clip. Like I'm sure you've seen it of like Neuer. I think maybe when he's like playing Germany 21s and a free kick comes in and he just boots it away. <laughs> like and it's like imagine an England under 21 goalkeeper doing that. They'd be like, it'd be on Sky Sports the next day in games. Ostracised. Yeah, yeah, literally. He'd never play again for England. Nah. Like, but there's Neuer, one of arguably the, probably the best goalkeeper in the last 10 years. And he's just booting the ball away when he was like 21 playing for Germany. Um, that's the evolution of goalkeeping. Is obviously the way we were originally taught as a yeah. youngster to, to now that we have to evolve and develop ourselves yeah. along with that. And I think that the modern coaching is definitely doing that. You've got a, a couple of unbelievable goalkeeper coaches that we spoke about. Mm. I don't know if you can just give us a little bit of light on how that they all work together and also the difference that they can make in a career. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've only been there a year and a half, but when I first joined Hilario, uh, who was who was played for Chelsea, he was huge on on small details in terms of diving and he helped me so much in terms of actual thinking about how to dive. Yeah. And I know that sounds stupid, but you could, naturally you don't think about how to dive, but there's a process to it. Um, there's fundamentals. Um, and he, he, he's helped me in terms of like my foot pattern in terms of diving. And then you then obviously got Ben Roberts who's come in recently, who's services. I don't know if you heard about Robo service, but service. Robo service is absolutely incredible. It's like he hits this wobbler, um, and it stays the same pace and it just does all sorts, but it's just so realistic because half volleys and volleys are great sometimes to keep your hands warm and stuff, but false, it's a bit false, yeah. It is a bit false. And Robbo's like service is, is unreal. Um, so, and yeah, I mean, and then there's Sherm who's got an unbelievable left foot as well. I'm just gonna add that in there. Um, he does listen, James Russell. <laughs> Sorry, James Russell. Sherm, <laughs> big Sherm, you're there, mate. Rusty. Um, yeah, big Rusty. Um, and, and I think all three of them together, like, the practices they put on are so realistic, so good for, for the modern goalkeeper, you say, because they, they tick all the boxes. Whereas sometimes, like, and my dad would, my dad is, is an unbelievable coach and he's, he's done great things, but probably back in the day, maybe the half volley, the volleys, the scoops and stuff, the half volley lows and stuff like that, the dippers. I mean, there, there's always a time and place for them. I, I still stand by that now. Um, but yeah, there's definitely evolution happening in terms of the goalkeeping world and you, and you can see it day in day out yeah excellent all right well i'm gonna wrap it up there bets uh i really appreciate you coming on mate uh i know you've got a busy couple of days ahead yeah. uh, and by the time this actually goes uh i'm hoping all's well with the family mate and you have a little one now thank you very much mate i uh, really appreciate it thank you Top for coming man. on mate cheers uh, mate loved it thanks for joining us on the yours mine away podcast uh i've been your host mark howard with producer ben uh what an excellent show it's been been great to speak to bets uh thanks a lot mate thanks lads appreciate Take care, it guys bye cheers what a shame from mark howard hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.